Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports fans, don't be sad that the NFL season is rapidly coming to a close because we still have the NBA, MLB, WNBA, and the XFL coming this spring. And Epson just hooked me up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120-inch silver flex screen. If you're out there looking for a new 75-inch or 85-inch TV, don't do that. You have no idea what you're missing. Imagine having an Epic 120-inch mega screen in your home. It's like having four 60-inch TVs mounted on your wall. Introducing the new Epson Epic Vision Ultra LS800 projector. This new type of television experience uses Epson's amazing three-chip, three-LCD laser projection technology to produce an immersive, super-bright 4K Pro UHD picture. And with a 120-inch picture, this is truly epic. You see all the action trust me unless you're there live this is the next best thing go big go epic go to epson.com forward slash wake up to learn more about the epic vision ultra ls 800 laser projector again that's epson.com forward slash wake up and like epson says bring the sports book experience home it's a destination We are finally here. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor, at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. As always, you can find everything with Destination Devi over at patreon.com slash allgas. Subscribe to the newsletter, which is allgas.beehive.com backslash subscribe. And then find my Patreon at patreon.com slash dynastyandchill. Now, I got a lot of feedback from last week's episode with Ray talking about startup strategy, but it was more startup psychology. We talked about the startup that he and I had just recently completed. And I was on a show earlier this week, the Player Profiler podcast with Matt Kelly, talking a little bit about strategies, how to optimally build a startup team. And I mentioned that this show was going to lay out exactly how I would build a roster, kind of going through the same steps that I went through earlier in the roster construction series, but actually laying out how to accomplish it in a startup. This is startup season. A lot of people are doing startups. My Patreon the DD Discord. There's a lot of discussion on what do I do in a startup? 
there's a lot of questions in both channels of who do I take? What direction do I go? Where do I prioritize the picks? How am I building my roster? What's my team going to look like next year? Is this a productive struggle? Is this a team where I'm trying to contend right away? Or is this a team where I'm comfortable basically saying, okay, I'm going to punt a year and then I'm going to be prepared to try to contend in 2024. And there's a lot of answers to a lot of questions that I just laid out. So I wanted to put together my optimal plan of how I would achieve a startup. Now, there's a lot that goes into it. If you tune into the show last week with Ray, we talked about how do you prepare for a new league? How do you dissect the scoring, the settings, understanding what your market's going to be, knowing who you're playing with? All of that stuff still applies. But for purposes of this show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through basically how to actually accomplish the build that I'm talking about and do it using trade calculators or using examples of exact trades that I would make. Now, this can be a little complex simply because you're working with a league of only 11 other people. Let's assume this is a 12-team league, and they're obviously humans. They're obviously going to be making their own decisions. So just looking at a trade calculator and saying, okay, I'm going to be able to do this, there's no guarantee that you're going to get these types of deals done. But I want to lay it out. It's at least what I would try to do. And if you can't do this exact same thing, you want to at least try to get to the same type of construction. And it's going to kind of follow the same series that I did back uh, in November and December talking about roster construction. We're going to use a slightly different format. Uh, we're going to use a 12-team Superflex. We are going to do 11 starters. So I think in the roster construction series, I talked about it being 10 starters. For purposes of this, we're going to use 11. We're going to use 30-man rosters. And we're going to use strict positional requirements. So you have a quarterback, you have two running backs, you have three receivers, you have a tight end, you have a super flex, and then you have three regular flexes. So 11 starters, 30 roster spots. We're going to do PPR scoring for all positions except for tight end, and it's going to be 1.75 PPR. Now, I didn't exactly cover this format on the roster construction series, but I did go through and talk about what am I going to do if it's a little bit deeper? What am I going to do if the tight end premium is 1.75 instead of 1.5? So I'll touch on that when I'm going through my strategy. But sticking with a lot of those principles, how do I actually execute it? How do I execute the different QB strategies? How do I execute the wide receiver threshold? How do I execute always having picks in the chamber to be able to use at times where they're more efficient? Because that's, again, what we're talking about is doing a startup now, February, March, before free agency, before the NFL draft, you know, before we get all of those answers, because I think we all acknowledge if you're going to do a startup in July or August, you're basically working with a lot more of a complete puzzle at that point. There's a lot less that can happen between then and when the season takes place. So that level of variance that you can exploit now, and a lot of times it's just based on recency bias where people just remember what happened and they don't really appreciate how much can change between now and the start of the season. You can take advantage of that type of person in the startup, but you can't do that if you're doing the startup in July or August. So this is why it is prime to execute this. It's going to be a lot harder to do it next year or at least later on in the offseason, and still kind of expect that I have a chance to contend. So that's the first thing I want to address. And I've gotten this question a couple times in the Discord, numerous times in the DNC Patreon channel on GroupMe. Essentially, if you are doing an elite quarterback build, 
So the two elite quarterback strategy, and for me, I define the elite quarterbacks as two of the top nine quarterbacks. So Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields. Those nine I consider to be in the top two tiers, top three tiers, however you want to label them. Those are the big nine that I want to try to get two of. And I don't necessarily care which two. And obviously it's tough to get a couple of the top two or three unless you draw that initial pick in the Superflex startup draft. Whereas it's probably a little easier to maybe get the second one because you can get it with a 108, 109, maybe 110, 111, 112 pick in the startup. Now you're obviously risking it if you push it to the 111 or the 112, but it does just depend on if anybody else prefers a running back or a wide receiver probably, or the 101 rookie pick in front of one of those top nine quarterbacks. So it is difficult you know, to get one of the really, really high-end quarterbacks if you don't draw the 101, the 102, and 103. Now, for me, I don't necessarily care if I get one of those guys. If I draw the 101 like I did in the startup that I talked about with Ray last week, great. That's actually just a bonus. But I'm not going to move up from like the 105 to the 102 just so I can move into that next tier. I'd much rather try to get another pick that's in the 106 to 109 range and try to do it then. And just add whatever quarterback I get at 105 and get that second quarterback at 109 or 108 or whatever I can trade for. And here are the rules. This is the first thing you do. This is the very, very first move you make. And I would say if you just want to hedge your bets and lock it in, you have to get a top nine pick because it's possible that the first nine picks of your startup draft are all quarterbacks. Now, what I've seen is that that isn't necessarily the case. I mean, look no further than the Adico ADP that's posted over on uh, the Bulletproof Fantasy Football channel. Justin Jefferson, 106, Jamar Chase, 108. And you have Justin Fields going at 110, Lamar Jackson, 109, Deshaun Watson at 201. So there, all you need to do is end up basically getting two of the top 13 picks. So if you want to hedge your bets, you probably need to pick up a top 10, top 11 pick. Obviously, in the top 10, as long as there's one pick ahead of you that's not a quarterback, you're good. It's going to take two of them if you get the 11th pick. But ultimately, you have to gauge, you know, how much risk do I want to take? Maybe the 110 is the only pick someone's willing to trade. And now you have to take the gamble. So it's a little risky to trade into that pick before the draft even starts. But that's the first thing you do. This is the first thing you do when you get your draft order. Let's say, for example, you draw the 104. So now you know you're getting Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. You're getting one of those three. You're going to pick which one. One of them is probably going to be gone at 103, but you're going to get your choice at 104 or 105. Now you get rolling. This is the very first thing you do. You don't even really worry about who you're going to get at your 104. You know you have one of those quarterbacks locked in. Your goal is to now trade to get one of the other picks. You can try for the 101, 102, 103 probably going to be really expensive based on the name of the player. And that's why I say if I don't draw one of those picks, I'm probably not inquiring on getting one of those selections because I don't really want to pay more just because it's Josh Allen. Doesn't matter to me. I want to build a certain way. I don't necessarily care what quarterback I get, especially if I don't draw one of those top two or three picks to begin with. So let's just assume, again, a 12-team start 11 
PPR with 1.75 premium 30-man rosters. I've drawn the 104 in a snake startup. It's not third-round reversal. If it's third-round reversal, you just adjust the picks. But for purposes of this exercise, it's not going to be third-round reversal. So I've drawn the 104. I know I'm getting a quarterback. So now my mission is start proposing trades to every other pick in the top 10. Start at the top, 101, 102, 103, 105, 106, 107, 108, 109, 110, what we talked about a couple minutes ago with the ADP. And you just try to secure one of those picks. You don't even wait for the draft to emerge. You don't wait for seven quarterbacks to go off the board, and then you try to get the 108. It's not how it's going to work. you got to lock the pick in before it becomes obvious. So what you do is you just start proposing trades. And here are my two rules when I'm proposing these trades. One, I never give up more startup picks than I get back. Ironclad, I do not give up more startup picks than what I get back, period. So with that, what I'm also going to do is be looking at where can I pivot and what is the sweet spot to get back a couple startup picks without trading away more picks than I trade. So I don't want to do a deal where I give up my second, my third, and my fifth, and I get back the 107. Not interested in that. I need to get an equal number of picks. Now, you're going to say, well, there becomes a range where those startup picks aren't worth that much. That's true. But if you think about team building, it's the same as having multiple second round picks. It's the same as having multiple third round picks. I want to give myself as many bites at the apple, especially in these nondescript ranges that we're going to get to later on. So think about that. Why do I not want to do a three for one? Because it already puts me behind the eight ball. It's going to be a lot harder for me to achieve my perfect roster construction, or at least get close to my roster construction if I'm lacking startup picks. And I think that's the main point with this is do not be really, really worried when you start mapping this out that you're going to have a team that's imperfect. You're going to have a team that lacks some high-end talent at some of the other positions because you are going to have to pay a pretty steep price to move up into one of these picks, but that's okay. Focus on the construction, and then we'll talk about how you execute the strategy to be set up pretty much right away just to hit the ground running, and we'll see what happens, and I'll talk about that as we go forward. So we're starting off, we're drafting at the 104. We already know we're getting a quarterback there. Now I'm trying to get another top 10 pick. Here's what I'm going to start by offering. I'm probably going to offer my second round pick, my third round pick, and my fifth round pick. And I'm going to try to do a deal where I end up getting back one of the first round picks, a seventh round pick, and a tenth round pick. Now I plug that into keep trade cut, a three for three deal, uh, and it comes back still favoring the team that ended up getting the first round pick. So the 108, the 708, and the 1005 for my 209, 304, and my 504. So it slightly favors the other side, 17, 314 to 15, 808. So a slight advantage for the side that I'm trying to acquire. So my next step is I'm going to take that 708 and bump it down to a 805 and throw that in there and see what that comes out to be. And when I do that, still favors me a little bit when I'm getting that first, that eighth, and that tenth for my second, my third, and my fifth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bump that eighth down to a ninth. So now I'm going to take the 108, the 908, and the 1005 and see where that shakes out. And when I do it, the trade gets a lot closer. So I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. It's almost identical, 16022 to 15808 in the trade calculator. 
I'm going to go ahead and accept that trade. So I have traded away my second round startup pick, my third round startup pick, and my fifth round startup pick. And I've gotten back a first, the 108 in this case, the 908, and the 1005. So I haven't lost a pick, but I've been able to move up into that range where I'm now guaranteed to get two of the top eight quarterbacks. So step number one, trade up. Do not give up future startup picks. And I didn't mention this, but it should be obvious. Do not give up future first round picks either. Do not give up future first round picks. So do not throw your 24 first into a deal to make this. You actually want to be able to go the opposite way later on when we get to that part, but you do not want to give up any future picks either. That's the second rule. Do not give up more startup picks than you receive back. Do not trade away future draft capital. And I'll put a caveat on that as don't give up future draft capital yet. So first step is done. And I'm going to go ahead and put players to those first couple picks. So I'm going to assume that the draft is going to start. I'm going to make this move. Then I'm going to sit tight. I'm going to go through a couple of the other moves that I want to make next. You can certainly try to make these. But what I've found is that it's actually a little harder to make these moves right now because where you're going to try to then move back and gain some of this value back, people are not really sure exactly what they're going to get in those ranges. You can estimate that there is going to be either something scarce, aka some quarterbacks, or some young skill players that people are willing to pay up for in the ranges that you're going to want to move back. But I found it's also difficult to do that now because we haven't started the draft yet. So people aren't going to look at those mid rounds and go, okay, I really, really need to get this pick and let me go ahead and trade up to do it. So that's going to be the next step. It's going to be the second major strategy piece in this startup strategy. But I've found that you probably want to let a couple rounds go in the draft already before you actually try to accomplish it. So let's go ahead and lock in those picks. And I'm just going to use a Deco's ADP to make my selections for me. So at the 104, I'm going to draft Jalen Hurts. So I've locked Jalen Hurts in at the 104. The 108, they have Jamar Chase. I'm just going to go with the next quarterback that's available. And that is at 109. I'm going to select Lamar Jackson. And again, if you have the 108, you're guaranteed to get one of the eight. uh, But it's probably going to be Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, or Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to go ahead and lock in Lamar Jackson. So I have started Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. And again, I haven't traded any future picks. And I haven't traded away more startup picks than I currently have. Now, I'm only going to go through like the top 12 rounds or so with players. And then I'll kind of just talk about how I'll fill in the rest of my roster. But right now, after that trade, I've picked at the 104 and the 108. My next selection is not until the 409. Then I have the 609, the 704, the 809, the 904. Then acquired in the trade, the 908. I have the 10.05 acquired in the trade, and then I have my own 10th, which is 10.09, 11.04, and 12.09. So I'm going to go through 12 rounds. Now we're going to get to the next part of the strategy. The next part of the strategy is, okay, I've traded up. I don't pick again until the 4.09, and now I need to find a way to gain some value back. I certainly want to start focusing on my roster construction. And in a lineup league, I think I already have an idea of what's going to be off the board uh, in the next couple rounds after the big run of quarterbacks. You know, you have that run of 12, 13, 14 quarterbacks. And then if you're in a league where the rookie picks are still in the startup draft, you're going to probably see five, six, seven, eight startup rookie picks go off the board. Uh, when you get to your fourth and fifth round picks. It's just going to depend on the league. According to Adiko's ADP, 
uh, the 105 actually goes off the board uh, at the time of my next pick. So you're going to have those rookie picks in there along with a bunch of young receivers. I mean, we all know the receivers everybody's chasing in startups. Alave, Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, Drake London, along with Jefferson Chase, and then the veterans are going to get mixed in there. Guys like Diggs, guys like Adams, Cooper Cup, like all of these are going to go in the top five or six rounds. So you know a lot of receivers are going to get hammered. According to Adiko's ADP, in the first six rounds of the startup, you have 25 receivers. And in the first three rounds, you have 11 receivers. So you know there's going to be a ton of receivers that go off the board, even with a ton of quarterbacks going off the board. So with that said, my next part of my strategy is going to be this. It's going to be essentially trying to hedge my bets on people thinking now, February, March, that they are going to be able to nail these mid-round picks with guys that are going to be better than what I'm going to be able to draft in round nine, round 10, round 11, round 12. Because again, this is a league that started 11. And there's a reason that I targeted those picks that I traded back for. There's a reason I targeted the 7th, the 8th, the 9th, the 10th, the 11th. I want my trade backs when I'm getting those two extra startup picks back, when I trade up for that first, I want those picks that I get back to be in this range. I don't even really care where they are in this range. I ended up having to settle for an extra ninth and an extra 10th. I think a lot of people are going to shoot for higher picks, but I think that's probably where you want to put the cutoff is likely around 11 11th round, 12th round would be the furthest back that I'd be willing to go. But in a start 11, just use a round 11 as where like your max trade back point would be. So as long as I'm gaining picks in that range, I'm starting to kind of cluster my picks together to go, okay, I know that I've already kind of amassed an extra pick or two in this range. So let's call it from round seven to round 12. I've already amassed two picks in that range. So I know I'm going to pick more frequently. And we'll talk about that. And that's going to be the third and final trade strategy uh, when we get to that point in the draft. But for now, I'm trying to accumulate more picks in this range. I already did it in my first trade where I traded back into the first and I moved my second, my third, and my fifth back for two picks. I ended up getting the first and then I got a ninth and a 10th. Now, the second part of this strategy is to focus on the two next picks that I'm holding, which is my fourth and my sixth. A lot of people are going to say, okay, I really want to knock out like a tight end or a running back in this range, right? Because if I can get an anchor tight end and I can get an anchor running back and go quarterback, quarterback, running back, tight end, and I have four anchors at essentially positions that can be major positional advantages if I hit on the right players, I'd be fine with that. If, if you know you can pull that off, the problem is... Sometimes it's too late. Sometimes those picks go by and you go, man, I wish I could have gotten Dallas Goddard, but he goes at the 403. And that was the last anchor tight end that I feel comfortable with. That might be something you try to do if you have Jalen Hurts, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Now you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to have like a template that you want to follow without worrying about what players are going to be there. It's very easy to look at the ADP list and go, here's exactly how I'm going to build my team. I know this guy's going to be there at the 410. I know this guy's going to be there at the 405. I, you know, I know where these players are going to go, but then what if they're not there? So you can't build around, uh, hey, I know these players are going to be there. It's more of, let me build with this template and I'll fill the players in later. 
And the template's going to be a lot of the roster construction stuff that I've talked about. Go back to those shows and listen again. That's probably how I'm going to frame my team. But I'm also not super worried right away about exactly what players fill in those gaps at this moment. I need to find ways where I can add some value now because I've given up some value by trading up to get that extra first. How do I add some value? How do I add some leverage? So again, back to those picks that I have next. In this case, it's my 409 and it's my 609. So those are the two picks that I'm going to now try to leverage to do a very, very specific leverage deal. The hashtag leverage deal. Can I trade one of those picks for a future first? It can be 2024 preferably, but it also can be 2025 and a startup pick that is in that range that I'm trying to accumulate. So again, this is the second trade strategy. Can I trade back from that 409 and get a 24 first and another pick in that range that I'm trying to target? Preferably in this case, it would be like an eighth or a ninth round startup pick but I would settle for one of those that's in that range. Let's call it the top 11 rounds. Same thing with that 609. Now the 609 is going to be a little tougher. This might be the one where you almost have to wait until it's on the clock or it's getting close to being on the clock. You have to maybe hope that there's a run in positional players or in quarterbacks and people want to get this pick. And you're probably at best going to be able to trade back to the 10th, 11th, maybe 12th. But we'll plug them into the calculator just to see how it shakes out, just to show you that it is possible for this to happen. But again, second part of the trade strategy, my next two picks, the 409 and the 609, trading back from those, picking up a future first round pick and another startup pick in the top 12 rounds. So let's plug them in and see what this looks like. So when I put the first deal in, my first initial offer, and again, I'm probably being a little conservative, is I'm trading my 409 pick. And I'm going to shoot for a 2024 first. And I use late first only because the person that's probably trading away their pick, they're kind of looking at that pick as likely a future late first. That's what they're hoping for. I don't want to use mid first. I don't want to use early first. Even if I don't like the team that I'm getting the pick from, I'm not going to use early first. But if we could just take a compromise and say it's somewhere between a late first and a mid first, that's probably where that pick value ranges. The 2024 mid first on keep trade cut are valued at 4703 and the late first are at 4281. So somewhere in that range, like 4450 ish is what you're shooting for. So when I plug that in and I'm getting back the 910 startup pick. So essentially I'm trading my startup fourth rounder 409 for a ninth round startup pick. In this case, it's 910 and a late 2024 first. This trade does favor me slightly because I'm getting the two pieces. There is a value adjustment because the team is getting a free roster spot, basically. They're getting a free asset where essentially they have another spot accounted for down the road where they can add a player, uh, but it's still not enough to work the trade. So instead of the 9-10, let's pivot and let's go for the 10-03. So we'll try the 10-03 startup pick that really doesn't help my case too much in terms of making this trade work. It still favors me. So we're going to have to go down a little bit further. We might have to go to another team and we might have to shoot for the 10-10 startup pick and see if that still is a deal that I could maybe get done. In this case, the trade still favors me. So I'm probably not going to get that done, but it is close enough to where at least somebody may entertain it, especially if they're looking at 
potentially a specific quarterback or maybe a receiver or running back that they want to get at that 409 pick. So I'm going to go a little bit further just to show you that it can work. So I'm going to go down to the 1108 startup pick. So we'll do the 1108 and plug that in just to see what the calculation comes back at. And when you plug that in, the trade is still slightly favoring me by 1600 points. And so now you're looking at it like, okay, they may not be willing to pull this deal off, but now you're assuming that they're actually using keep trade cut. And I want to show this just because it does differ depending on what site you are using. So if you head over to dynasty trade calculator and you put in the exact same trade and you add a 2024 first round pick and you add the startup pick Let's go with the 1108 in this case. So we go with the 1108 startup pick, put that into the trade calculator. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. We're talking within like 10%. So if you factor that in, I know it's a little bit aggressive. And I think that's the point of trying to pull this off before the board is completely open and you can see it. But if you can pull this type of deal off, this is the way that I want to try to start. This is the next iteration of what I want to try to pull off if I'm trading back from these next picks that I have. Now, you might say, well, hey, you just put it into both trade calculators and it didn't seem like obvious that someone would accept this. And that's true. Like it's not going to be a clear win for the person that's plugging this into the trade calculator. And I do think people use trade calculators for startups just because they're not exactly sure what's going to be on the board. So early on, they definitely use this type of thing as a baseline value trying to determine what picks are worth. Now, I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw in the current 105 rookie pick, which is I'm going to use the Deco's ADP and throw in the 105 rookie pick in 2023. And I'm going to throw that in. And I'm going to now put that into the trade calculator into keep trade cut specifically. You do that, you put the 105 rookie pick in there, the trade is almost dead even. When you're talking about the 1106 startup pick and the late 24 first, it's almost even. When you put that into Dynasty Trade Calculator and you put the 105 rookie pick in instead of the 409, so you take that number and you put that in instead of the 409, it's closer. And I think that's the biggest thing is there is some variance here is when you put the actual rookie pick that could be available there in instead of the startup pick, all of a sudden you're going, wow, that might be a trade that I'm going to pull off. So you have to kind of look at it pretty broad and you can't look at this trade calculator and say, well, if it's not a clear win, then you're not going to be able to get it done. It's going to be league by league, person by person, manager by manager, and you're probably going to have to wait till there's some picks off the board. I think that's the biggest thing. This is going to be a very hard thing to do before the draft is started. It's going to be easy, or at least much easier to do the first trade where you trade up and get the extra first round pick. It's going to be harder to do the other trades before picks start coming off the board and players start going into those slots. But try it. As soon as I get that first trade done, I'm taking my next two startup picks, and you can even do the next three if you want, but I'm taking my next two startup picks. I'm trying to trade back. How do I trade back and pick up a future first? How do I trade back and pick up a future first? In theory, you could do it three times. You could trade back your fourth, your sixth, and your seventh and be willing to trade back for a startup pick inside the top 12 rounds and a future first, either a 2024 or 2025. So let's just assume that you can get two of those done. Let's assume I made the trade where I moved my 409 startup pick and I moved that back and I picked up 
another startup pick. Let's call it the 1106. And I picked up a 2024 first in the process. So now I have an extra 2024 first along with an extra startup pick, the 1106. And now let's say I'm able to move my 609 and I trade that for the 1210 and another 2024 first. So say I accomplished that trade back. Now all of a sudden I've traded away five of my first six startup picks. I've still built with the two elite quarterbacks. I've still kept my same number of picks inside the top 12 rounds, and I've also managed to pick up two extra 2024 firsts. If you have to settle for a 2025 first, that's fine. If you want to go a step further and say, okay, I like how this is going, let me try my 704, because really the 704 and the 609 are not that different. So maybe I trade also that 704 and I pick up another 2025 first. You can do it up to three times. It's gonna be difficult to do it three times. You might only be able to do it once. But the idea is you wanna take those next remaining mid-round picks that you kept after your first trade, trade them back for another startup pick inside the top 12 rounds, and pick up a future first. So now that I've done that, I'm gonna go through and just talk briefly about roster construction. I'm not gonna rehash all of it, because I talked about that on the roster construction series. It's very similar to this, uh, but I'm just going to go through and talk about what am I trying to do with this team? Because right now, people are going to probably be sitting here going, okay, great. You have Lamar Jackson and you have Jalen Hurts. You have two future 24 firsts along with your own set of picks, but you don't pick again until the seventh round. So in this case, I've traded two times back. I've gotten the extra 24 first, traded away my fourth round startup pick and my sixth round startup pick, and I picked up an extra 11th and a 12th. So that's how I accumulated those two extra firsts. But I don't pick until the 704. I carry the 704, 809, 904, 908, 1005, 1009, 1104, 1106, 1209, and 1210. So as you see, I pick eight times between round nine and round 12. And I pick a total of 10 times inside that range of round seven through round 12. So obviously I'm going to pick a lot. What do I prioritize? Now, the good thing is the, the slate is completely blank for me. I have nothing but two quarterbacks. So I can kind of look at the board and go, okay, I can take whatever I think is the best player, best value, whatever on the board, and I can be flexible with it. I can take rookie picks. Now, obviously, in this year's class, if you're selecting the 2023 rookie picks, you're going to have to look at, okay, what's the pick that I'm getting? What range of player do I think I'm going to get there? And what type of player am I going to get there? Most likely in this class, you're probably looking at running backs in a lot of the mid-round picks. So your second and third round picks this year, likely going to be running backs in the right format. This happens to be a 1.75 tight end premium. So there's a reason that I chose 1.75. It's to actually make the tight ends relevant in this league more so than another. So again, that just gives me a little more flexibility with these picks. The different formats bring value to these positions to be a little bit deeper. It means there's going to be some tight end value. It means there's going to be some running back value simply because, you know, it's a full PPR for running backs and it's 1.75 for tight ends. So there's going to be some different running backs that catch passes that are going to be viable options. So I think the point is you can be flexible because you don't have anything. You're starting from scratch. And I think this is the biggest thing for people to have to overcome. It's the idea of, well, man, I have my two elite quarterbacks, 
but I don't have an anchor receiver. I don't have a stud wide receiver. I don't have an elite running back. I don't have a stud running back. And that's true. And you're probably not going to be able to get them. But the point is that you built your team to have that insurance. That's why you traded back to get those extra picks. You already know that as you fall down in the startup draft, there's going to be more and more risk with either the player, how old they are, how much mileage they have, or have they done anything? They might be a young asset, but they might not have done much. So you're going to go, I'm not sure if they're going to be an anchor at all, or I'm not sure how long they're going to be one if they already are one, because maybe they're an aging asset. The reason you build with those picks is it gives yourself more outs to go, okay, if I need to replace a couple of these picks, which I expect that I'm going to need to, just because they're in the top 12 rounds doesn't mean they're really going to have any of the same clout that they have now next year. So I already expect there's going to be some variance that goes against me. But the beauty of the picks is it can go two ways. It can go A, as insurance, in case something happens and you need to use those picks next year to continue to replenish your skill players. Again, this should put you in a position where for a couple years, you don't have to worry about a quarterback. You don't have to worry about one of those picks being the 101, 102, 103. So you can draft a quarterback. You don't have to worry about that. You're not putting yourself in a position where it's, man, I have a good team, but I'm an elite quarterback away from contending. Because what do we know in a lot of leagues? Elite quarterbacks don't get traded. They just don't get moved. People don't even put them on the trade block. People don't want to move them when they have them. Even if you have four or five firsts and multiple players to throw at an elite quarterback, the answer a lot of times is, sorry, I just can't trade them. And so that's why the startup draft is the best time to get them. Because simply, if you just keep the rule of, I'm not going to trade away more picks than what I'm getting, and I'm not going to trade away my futures to get the quarterback, you can always do that later. You can always do a four for one, a three for one. If the time comes where you can buy an elite quarterback, you could try to do that later. But most likely, if you're doing it in a league that already exists, what are you doing? You're giving up four pieces. You're giving up two players and a first. Like you're making a package deal to go and get one of those quarterbacks. And I don't want to start that way. I'm fine making that deal in year two of the league, year three of the league. If I have a roster that's already built and I can't control a lot of this, I don't want to do it from the jump. I do not want to do it from the very beginning where I'm setting myself up just for variance to go against me and then I'm completely screwed. And I see that a lot in startups. You get in a startup and there's always one or two people in the startup and you go, wow, at the end of the startup, okay, they have a pretty good team, but I'm not sure about their roster construction. Maybe they didn't really roster construct perfectly. They overpaid for a running back. They overpaid for one of the really, really young receivers, but they traded away their 24 first. They maybe traded away their 25 first. I've seen people that literally have gutted every future draft pick they have for two years just to try to build the perfect team in February. And no doubt, they build a team that probably is a playoff team. But I look at it and I go, wow, they still took some risk here. They took some risk there. You can probably spot one or two places on their team where, man, if that goes wrong, they're in trouble because they don't have any future draft capital. And what is the point of putting yourself in a position where you sell all of your future draft capital to build the perfectly constructed team But then it is such a fragile build that you go, if things go wrong and I have an injury or two or I have a player that I way overpaid for that doesn't actually perform, what do you now have to do to get back to a point where you can be more flexible? Now you have to trade those players. Now you probably have to break your roster construction up just to get back to baseline. And that's why it's important to go into this and say, okay, I want to start getting to my roster construction. Maybe you don't get there perfectly until year two or year three. 
That's fine. But I want to start angling my way there. That way I don't have 18 moves that I need to make between now and next season to get there. But I also want to stay on the positive side of the future picks. I want to have those in the chamber right away. And part of that is because there are times where you can actually nail some of these mid-round picks because it is February, because it is March. We don't know a lot of stuff. You can nail some of these mid-round picks. All of a sudden, because you have the two elite quarterbacks, maybe you hit on a couple of your rookie picks and you hit on a couple of these mid-round picks. You get to the season and you go, wow, my team is surprising me. I kind of expected this to be a quote-unquote productive struggle, but it really isn't a productive struggle if you actually have an outside shot of competing for a playoff spot in year one. That's what you want. You want to go into the season feeling like you have like a middle-of-the-pack team. If your team is already, oh my gosh, it's the worst team in the league, you probably didn't do it right because you probably go, okay, these two elite quarterbacks can't necessarily carry me because I don't have anything else around them. And that shouldn't be the case if you stick to this strategy. You should be able to say, okay, I'm a fringe playoff team. I have a chance to be in the playoffs. And if some variance goes your way, all of a sudden you get to week 10 of next year, your team is seven and three. And you go, wow, cool. I'm seven and three. I didn't expect to be seven and three. I was kind of playing for 2024 as the evidence that I traded for two future 24 picks. But guess what? I now have those picks in the chamber. I have the choice whether I want to use them. Maybe I can trade one of those for a player that might help me. Maybe if I make one trade, I could get to a first round buy or I could get to the final four of the playoffs. And at that point, anything goes. At that point, I have a chance to to almost steal a championship in my first year, in the quote unquote punt year. How many teams this year did you have where you go, that was the third or fourth or fifth place team? And it won the championship. It got hot. It had the right combo of players at the right time. It got hot and won the ship. Vice versa, how many teams did you have that were dominant, that got a bye, that had the best record, had the most points, lost in the semifinals? And you go, that sucks. That team dominated all year, and then it ran into a buzzsaw in week 16. The other guy had all the players that went off. Like, that happens. We have to appreciate that in fantasy football. That's why when you do a startup, never predict that you're going to be able to control those things. It's back to what I talked about last week with Ray. Like, even if you do everything right between now and the start of the season— Even if you make all the right moves during the season, at best, you have about a 40% chance of going as one of the playoff teams, whether you get the buy or not, the 40% is obviously contingent on you getting the buy. That's like your best odds of winning the championship going into the playoffs. So to sit there and say, oh, this title's locked up, there's no such thing. So embrace the other 60% and go, okay, all I got to do is get into that other 60%, or maybe it's 70% or so, depending on how good the best team is in your league, I just have to get into that mix. I just have to be one of the playoff teams. But if I do it with the right build, with the right roster construction, and with the future picks, I'm setting myself up to maybe steal a win in year one, but in year two, I'm definitely trending positively with the momentum of my team. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I know I sidetracked a little bit on the actual strategy with the startup, but I think that's important to have that scope. That's my scope in every startup, every single one. You will never see me build a team in a startup that is, okay, I'm going all in. Okay, I better win the championship this year. Now, depending on the format, depending on the scoring, team can be built a little differently from a roster construction standpoint, but it's never just, let me trade my future picks, let me trade a bunch of startup picks away, and let me just go chase the five or six players that I have to have. That's not me. If you're following me, that's never going to be my analysis. I'm never going to be the, fuck it, go get your guy type of player. That's not me. 
there's a time and place for that during the season when they're scoring points. But if you're telling me that you're doing that in February or March, that's just never going to be how I'm going to play. I'm going to be the one that's on the opposite end. I'm looking for the guy in my league that goes, dude, I got to get that Jalen Waddle. I got to get that Ken Walker. I got to get him. That's the guy I have to get. I believe in him so much. I have to get him on my team. That's never going to be my type of of analysis. So with all that said, let's get to the remaining of this startup and just talk about my roster construction. Again, I've only made two picks. Lamar Jackson at 108, Jalen Hurts at 104. I'm sitting on those 10 picks. So I'm going to go through and I'm just going to use Adiko's ADP and I'm going to pick the selections that fit my build best based on my roster construction. And that is going to be following the model that I talked about in the prior roster construction series with the wide receiver threshold and then with the 1.75 tight end premium. So in this case, this format, this start 11 with start three receivers, I can start up to six receivers. So I'm going to aim for the wide receiver threshold to be somewhere around eight to nine receivers. Let's call it eight because we do have the 1.75 tight end premium where there can be some flex value in multiple tight ends. So let's call it eight receivers for a tight end standpoint. I'm going to kind of kick that extra receiver in 1.5 or lower. It would be nine receivers, but in 1.75, I'll call it eight receivers and I'm going to call it four tight ends. So I'm going to call four tight ends, eight receivers. That's what I'm aiming for at tight end receiver. So that's 12 roster spots. I have my two quarterbacks already accounted for. I'm probably going to be willing to roster two more quarterbacks. So that's going to be hopefully a third quarterback that can play. And then maybe a fourth quarterback that is a very high leverage backup slash developmental option. So think of somebody, Andy Dalton is my fourth quarterback or Skylar Thompson is my fourth quarterback. I have room for one of those. So we're going four quarterbacks, four tight ends, eight wide receivers, that's 16 roster spots, 30-man roster league, 14. That's the magic number. Those are the remaining roster spots that are going to all be running backs. So again, just to repeat that, four quarterbacks, eight receivers, four tight ends, and 14 running backs. That's my roster construction in this 30-man roster league with 11 starters, 1.75 tight end premium. So let's start plugging in some players. So I'm just going to start with the 704. And I'm just going to go down the line and we can pretty much go best player available. Whatever that ends up working out to be, we'll just plug that in and we'll talk about the team through 12 rounds. So 704 is my first selection. At 704, I'm going to go with Pat Fryermuth at tight end. He actually goes at 705 in the ADP, but I like starting off with a tight end. Uh, He's, I think, the last of a tier at tight end, but I've noticed that he falls a little bit further than the others. So I'm comfortable with Pat Fryermuth that locks in a starting tight end for me at the 704. So again, I'm addressing that roster construction of four, 14, eight, and four. So four quarterbacks, 14 running backs, eight wide receivers, and four tight ends. So I've chalked up Pat Fryermuth at the 704. I don't pick again until the 809. And at the 809, the pick is DeAndre Hopkins. But in this case, I'm actually going to opt to go for a wide receiver. So I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman. He's going off the board at the 903. So I'm going to take Rashad Bateman at the 903. A little bit biased in that as A, it's a pretty good profile. He goes right after the 201 rookie pick. Uh, which I think is pretty fair. But in this case, he goes after the 201 rookie pick. And I do have Lamar Jackson. I don't think Lamar Jackson 
comes back to the Ravens, but if he does, I'm building that stack. So I'm okay with Bateman either way, but the tiebreaker on that pick goes specifically because I do have Lamar Jackson. So we go next pick. The next pick I have is the 904. I'm going to go all the way down the line and I am going to select Aaron Jones at running back. Aaron Jones' ADP on a deco is 9.06. So that accomplishes what I would call my anchor running back. I know there's questions about Aaron Jones, if he's going to get cut or not. He restructured with Green Bay, so he should be back in Green Bay. He's been such an efficient running back that it feels like he's one of those guys, as long as he can maintain his health, he'll hang around for two or three more years. And he's already shown that he can operate as an RB1 with 12 to 15 touches. So as long as he can kind of sit in that range, I'm okay with him as an anchor. I'm also okay, given the fact that I traded for those future picks, I'm actually also okay with him just expiring on my team. Maybe he only gives me one more year and that's it. So that's all. I'll take Aaron Jones as my anchor running back. Now I move forward to the next pick. The next pick available is the 908. So with the 908, there's a bunch of options that's available here. Uh, Some random running backs. I do think when you get into this running back range, you can almost just opt to take the rookie pick instead. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with rookie pick 202 at this spot. 202, the reason I'm doing that and one of the reasons behind wanting to take some rookie picks, especially second round rookie picks, is this is one of those classes where, especially if I don't have high-end receivers, there's a chance that I end up getting a receiver or a running back with that pick. Otherwise, I'm ending up having to select somebody like Mike Williams, A.J. Dillon. Like, I have to pick a player. And I kind of look at those players and I go, okay, I know just based on this class, that there's probably going to be five or six receivers that go like in the top 35 to 40 picks, maybe more. And there's going to be a ton of running backs that go between round three and round five. So I'm not worried about getting running backs and I'm not worried about getting receivers. I don't know what I'm going to get at the 202, but in this class, it makes total sense to mix in those picks. And that basically gives you the flexibility because I know when I get to this rookie draft, I'm going to need both receivers and running backs to hit my roster construction most likely. And it's not going to be perfect because I'm going to have the entire startup done. So maybe my numbers will be a little off, but I like the flexibility of having some picks mixed in there because it gives me the option to take both. So at the 908, I'm going to go with the 202. My next pick is at the 1005. Now with the 1005, it's interesting because I think if I want to draft a quarterback here that I think has any level of trade value or upside, I think there's an option to where... If I can't move one of these picks, because one of the other options would be, okay, can I move the 1005 or the 1009 for a future first? Unlikely I'm going to be able to do that. Unlikely I'm going to be able to send one of these picks specifically for a future first. In fact, the way people value future first, most likely they're done trading random firsts unless they're getting like a seventh rounder, an eight rounder. And you're not getting necessarily that deal done in even some leagues. You're definitely not trading a 10th round startup pick for a future first. However, I would be looking in this range going, okay, is there a time where I can take a shot on a player that in six months I might be able to trade for a random 2024 first? Especially after that, I'll know how the rookie drafts went. I'll know how free agency went. I'll know some of the players on the waiver wire that I might be able to pick up that should have been like, you know, 24th, 25th round startup picks, but didn't get drafted. But I can maybe patchwork together my roster construction using those waiver pickups. A lot of times those are running backs. I think that's what we're going to see the most variance at. So if there's one thing I'm kind of okay going, I can leave the startup in February looking haphazard. 
it's going to be my running back room. It can be a mixture of a couple dudes, some running backs via rookie picks, or at least rookie picks. I think I'm going to take running backs with, and then I'm just going to kind of bank on waivers to fill in the rest. So I'm going to go here at the 10.05. I'm going to take rookie pick 203 because that's actually going at the 1006. So I'm going to go 203. That gives me back to back with my 202 and now I have the 203. Then at the 1009, I'm going to draft quarterback Jordan Love. And I don't really like Jordan Love, but I also acknowledge that his ADP I think moves up. It moves up as we get into the offseason, especially if Green Bay signs, trades or drafts somebody. But I also think Jordan Love is one of the players in this range where I go, okay, of all these names that are where Jordan Love is, at the ADP level, and all the names that are around him, what player could I maybe just like randomly trade for a 24 first later? Most likely that's going to be like a one-off scarce thing, like a quarterback, or something that could be a positional advantage just based on the fact that it's an older asset. Maybe I get it at a discount, but we know like it's a really, really good player. So like Darren Waller is one, like in a certain tight end premium league, you might be able to get him at a discount, but there's a chance like if he starts off early in the year just smashing because Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback, you could see people trading random 24 first for him. So I'm trying to think of an asset where it's like, okay, is there a path to where I could maybe get a 24 first down the road? So I drafted Jordan Love because A, I think he fits that mold. B, he also fits my roster construction, right? This is my third quarterback. This is a third quarterback that I know is going to be a starter, but also has a little value insulation or value upside that's milked in. Because we know he's going to be on a runway that's going downhill at a high level of speed for the next year. Like, you know his opportunity is only going to continue to grow in the eyes of the community over the next six months. So I think he's a good savvy pick at this point just because he has multiple facets where he can help my roster construction, but he also might be able to net me a first, whereas the startup pick wasn't going to net me a first. So thus far, I have Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Pat Fryermuth, Rashad Bateman, Aaron Jones, the 202, the 203, and Jordan Love. So my next pick available is the 1104. This is where I'm going to have to start hitting those threshold receivers. So this is where I'm going to have to look at those receivers and go, okay, I need to hit a couple of those threshold receivers. I have the 1104, I have the 1106, and I'm going to hit two of them right here. I'm going to hit Juju Smith-Schuster, whose ADP is 1107, and I'm going to hit Cortland Sutton, whose ADP is 1108. So those are going to be my picks at 1104 and 1106. So Juju Smith-Schuster and Cortland Sutton are going to be my picks. So now I've locked those two in, and we're going to continue down the line. I have two more picks remaining inside the top 12 rounds, the 1209 and the 1210. So we're going to fast forward all the way to the 1209 and the 1210. This is where I'm going to be willing to take a running back and a receiver. The next rookie pick off the board at the 1208 is the 207, and actually at the 1301 is the 208. So for purposes of this, I'm actually going to select the 208 with one of my picks. So we'll lock in the 208. And then with the other pick, I'm going to go ahead and lock in Rondale Moore with my final selection. So I'll draft Rondale Moore at my 1209 and then the 208 rookie pick at my 1210. And I just picked some random names, just kind of fitting what I think my roster might end up being based on the rookie picks that I have. You can pick different names. You can look at this ADP. The only requirement was it had to be at least at or behind the ADP slot that I was picking, but I ended up taking Rondell Moore and the 208. So where I'm at right now, through my 12 rounds, I have three quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Jordan Love. Running back wise, I only have Aaron Jones, so I only have one. 
Receiver-wise, I have Rashad Bateman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cortland Sutton, and Rondale Moore. So I have four. And then tight end-wise, I only have Pat Fryermuth. So if you actually take what do I still need remaining to hit my optimal construction, I need one quarterback, I need 13 running backs, I need four wide receivers, and I need three tight ends. Now, I could have opted to take another tight end at one of my slots, but I kind of looked at the tight ends and go, you know what, they're all the same. And I actually think one of the biggest hacks in a 1.75 tight end premium or even a two PPR tight end premium is once you get to the startable range, once that is done, once people see the startable tight ends off the board, they then start to fade the tight ends, the names that nobody likes, guys like Hayden Hurst, guys like Noah Fant, those types fall. Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry, those names fall like a rock because of who they are. People look at them and go, they don't have any upside. But when you're talking about these tight end premiums, where if you just catch like a top 15 or a top 18 season from a tight end, they're at least in flex range or in flex consideration with the receivers and with the running backs. And I think that's where you can exploit this. So that's why I only took Pat Fryermuth. I do think there's going to be opportunities for me to be able to snag three more tight ends that I like, at least one of them that is a locked-in starter, a guy like Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Conklin, Tyler Higby. Nobody wants those guys. But I think there's going to be a really good chance that I can grab one of those with my random 20th round startup pick, 18th round startup pick. Then my other two tight ends can be guys that I maybe take with rookie picks. I'm going to continue to take rookie picks. I'm not going to stop taking rookie picks, especially in this class. I mean, noted, I need 13 more running backs. Quite a bit of those are going to come in the form of when all the rookie picks are gone, I'm just going to pick up bodies. But a lot of them are going to be, hey, I'm going to take rookie picks. So I know I took the 202, 203, and 208, but I'm going to end up also taking you know, the 301, the 306, the 308. I'm just going to look at the board and go, okay, I should probably bite the bullet and take the pick here simply because I want to have a spread of picks. I don't need a bunch in a row. Like, I don't need to have four or five picks in a row. I like to have maybe two in a row or two in three, and then maybe wait four or five more picks and have another one and scattershot them. That way in the third round, I have the 304 and the 308 and the 401 and the 405. So I'm able to kind of hit the tiers as they come. I don't want to have to wait like 13 picks for another pick. So I want to keep taking them. And that's where it's kind of nice to have one of those middle round picks, actually, because you're not going to get crushed on a run of picks where it's like, man, nine rookie picks went off the board between, you know, the two slots that I selected at the, you know, 2101 and the 2212. Like there could be a massive run of picks where people are just like, well, I don't like any of their players. I'm just going to take the picks. So that's another strategy you want to take those picks, scattershot them. You probably want to leave the draft with double the number of picks as there are rounds. So if there's four rounds of rookie picks, you know, leave the draft with seven or eight picks and they don't have to be first. This is the perfect class where if you're going to build this way, this is a great class to do this strategy because the draft correlates with the rookie picks. The draft correlates with what's the strength of the 2023 class. You're going to be able to add running backs in this draft. So I have a long way to go. Obviously I could build this out and go, okay, let me build out the rest of the team. I don't think people really need to hear that because you're going to hear me pick players. And one of the biggest fears is like, oh, you're going to hear me pick this player. And now I'm going to have to sell you on the player. I don't give a shit about the player. I care more about the roster construction. And you're going to probably look at my team. People would look at my team and go, it's not that sexy, right? And that's true. But depending on some of the other players I snag, depending on some of the profiles that I pick up, later. Maybe they jump up. Maybe they're more usable than you think. Maybe I end up being able to build out my roster construction 
completely the opposite. And I have to take more running backs than I wanted to. I've set myself up where I don't necessarily have to, but noted that I only have four receivers. Let's say the best player on the board at the 202 is a receiver. Let's say Jalen Hyatt is still there. This is the team I would draft Jalen Hyatt and just bank that he has a first round profile. And it's deep enough to where I don't really care if he's a boomer bust option. I don't care if he's Will Fuller. This will be the type of league where I can start six receivers without much of a flex push from the running backs, slightly from the tight ends. I just start Jalen Hyatt every week and whatever happens, happens. So I think that's the beauty of this format and why you can do this more effectively, even in deeper leagues, because you can go a little bit deeper with where those startup picks matter. And in this case, you know, it's 12 rounds. And I don't think a lot of what I drafted in round eight through 12 was much different than what was drafted in like round four through seven. Largely, it was just age and it was preference. There's a lot of names in those ranges, five through seven, four through seven. People just prefer because they're younger. They're the names that are buzzing right now. And then when you get to the ranges after that, people are like, eh, those guys are last year's news. Those guys were, were good in 2020, but I don't know about now. But you're just taking some chances. So hopefully this helps. That's how I would optimally build my team. The last element of the trades was essentially what I talked about with Jordan Love is I'm drafting Jordan Love, and he's kind of a two-way asset. He's a quarterback, he fits my roster construction, but he's also an asset where I could go, you know what, if I want to ship him off for a 24 first in six months, it's possible that that type of asset gets to that range. You know, someone like Rondale Moore is never getting to that range. Someone like probably Juju Smith-Schuster or Cortland Sutton even are not getting to that range. So I think the point is you do want to mix in some assets where they are almost boomer bust where you could see the market doing a complete 180 on this player and going, wow, one or two things happen and everyone values them way more than they ever did or back to where they used to because of X, Y, and Z. So think about that. Think about your roster construction. Try doing this. Hit me up if you have any additional questions, but try it. And hopefully this helps everybody kind of lay out a blueprint. And the last thing to remember is it doesn't matter if it's perfect after year one. You may leave your startup draft and then complete your rookie draft where you draft all the rookie picks that you selected. You know, my 202, my 203, my 208, my thirds, my fourths, and I go, man, my roster construction isn't perfect. That's okay. Even if it is perfect, even if it is that 4, 14, 8, and 4 build that I tried to achieve, you might look at those names and go, man, I don't trust a lot of these names going forward. That's why you traded for those future picks. Now you just go play Dynasty. Now you just go play Dynasty. You play the market. You look for the savvy leverage trades. You look for the pivot deals. There's so many different windows during different times of the season where you go, okay, this is a great time to do pivot deals. This is a great time to play liquidation. This is a great time to take advantage of kind of a scattershot waiver wire. Like just go play Dynasty. And that's how I want to do it. I want to set my team up to where it's like 80% of what I where I want it to be. But it's also very easy to just point in that direction and just keep running straight forward. So with that, hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode. Reach out to me if you have any follow-up questions. Try it yourself. Hit me up with any feedback. Hit me up with anything that you're getting stuck on. Hit me up with any trade offers. You know, there's always exceptions to what I said, but what I laid out is kind of like the utopian strategy of what I want to do would be in a perfect world in a startup. So give it a try. Check out all my other content. Uh, at patreon.com slash dynasty and chill at patreon.com slash all gas newsletter all gas dot beehive b-e-e-h-i-i-v dot com backslash subscribe 
And then my other show where we talk trades, we talk player values, we talk strategy every Tuesday night. We live stream on YouTube, uh, Dynasty Trades in 5. Check that out as well if you enjoy some of this talk where we we do talk more trades and we do talk more players, uh, but we also get into some of this startup strategy. I know a lot of people asked about startup strategies and what I would do on that show. Uh, So hopefully you're checking out this podcast as well. Appreciate everybody. We'll probably be doing a live stream next week. Uh, for the end of February episode. So maybe doing a live YouTube stream. I'll announce that later on in the week. Uh, And until then, I'll go ahead and sign off. Be chill.